Welcome back, dear listener, to the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. This is episode 447. Can you believe that? It's too many episodes. Or, I mean, no, that's great. They're still going. Yeah. Technically, we haven't done 447 episodes, but very close to that number. We've been we're going for 447 weeks. It's actually how I do the timing. Oh, okay. There's some we skipped. Well, how many have you missed? Do you count those? I haven't counted. But in December... when you got to take the, those out of your pay. When we were in the radio station, we used to miss a lot in December for sports and stuff. Um, but that doesn't happen anymore. Now we're pretty much every week. We're much more... Surprisingly, when you leave the radio station, at least in, in our case, we end up being more uh, consistent. See, we didn't we didn't want to hurt our listeners, so we gave them an advantage by leaving. So, anyway, um, thank you for still listening. Much appreciated. Uh, Tim is with us once again this week. Yep, here I am. Yeah, and by us, I mean me, because Ara has uh, has left me by the wayside. Not sure when he's going to come back. Maybe next week. Have you heard? Uh, all I know is that he hates Florida and he wants to get back whenever he can. Well, he hasn't been in Arizona all this time. He would probably hate Arizona too, because wow, it is it is crappy right now. Um, well, it's raining right now. Technically, at this very moment, it is raining, and that's awesome. Uh, but otherwise, it's pretty crappy. Um, I was just away, by the way, in Vancouver for a week. Did you know that that's where I went? Uh, I didn't know that. Okay. I did so much stuff. We never even turned on the TV. It was great. We were there for a week, this house, like on a beach. I didn't even go to the beach, but it was, you could see the ocean, right? I went kayaking and there were seals. Like they weren't kayaking with me, but they were there while I was kayaking. Uh, like ran around a big park island. I biked around the island. I went to an amusement park and did one of those things, you know, where they like pull you up on the pendulum and just let you fall. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. I've done that before and it's awesome. And it was also awesome the second time around. Um, but I was also strapped in with my sisters-in-law. Is that what you, how you say it? Sisters-in-law? Sure. I think. Um, that was a lot of fun. I guess. So, like, I, I biked. I ran. Did a lot of walking, obviously. Kayaked. Uh, flew. And that thing, really, all modes. Except I didn't bring the Segway with me. So all right. Segway. So, all this is great, but how does this relate to video games? Not at all. Well, no, because I, I, another thing I did was I played Civilization V, like a full game, even though it was just the tutorial game, for the first time. Listeners will remember that I was excited. I was putting off playing Civ V until I got my, my new computer. I got my new computer a couple months ago uh, and finally was able to play, but I never did because it's such a time investment, so I would never play the game. And I would try, like... There's this weird thing, too, and I don't know if it's just a bug with the installation of my game or if it's normal, but in Civ Five, as it runs on my machine, um, when you play the tutorial, which is a full game, it's one of those, like, you know, learn-as-you-play things, and Civilization is not a short game, uh, there is no option for me to save if I'm playing the tutorial game. If I play the normal game, the save option appears. So it's not like I don't know where to go for the save option. In fact, when you hover over the the menu button, it's like, this is where you would go to save. And I click that, and there's no option to save. So when I was out of, on a vacation, it was the perfect time to do this because I could open up the laptop, play for many, many hours uh, during you know a just boring part of the day or at night or whatever, and then close it up and come back and play for another several hours so I could get the whole game in without saving which is really irritating. Um, I think I even re-downloaded the whole thing from Steam once just to see if this was a bug because um, I was never playing it because I didn't know how to play because I couldn't get through the damn tutorial. Yeah, well, I guess you're going to have to hit up the Steam forums and oh, get, I did. get really angry. Did, I did you get really angry? I didn't get really... Well, I got angry internally, but not publicly. Uh, um, I just looked at... Nobody else seemed to be having this problem because they're probably playing the game for real, not the tutorial. Anyway, now I feel comforted that I could play a game and save it Unfortunately, like, you really, you got to just play that. Yes, safe features are nice. Yeah. I was just worried the thing was going to crash or something. It never did crash on me, which is astounding. Um, I, would, I would even run, like, with, with my family. I brought Joust down there, Johann Sebastian Joust. Uh-huh. And uh, I would be running uh, Civ Five, which is, like, full screen game, takes over the computer, switch out of it, and run Joust, <laughs> and okay. then go back and play Civ Five. Luckily... By the way, Joust, I gotta, here's something I have an issue with. This happened while we were trying to play at Ares once, too. Yeah, I haven't gotten to play it, thanks to that. 
ever, right. just because it wasn't working right. Uh, yeah. So it's not Joust's fault. It's actually the OS. It it doesn't handle, it doesn't elegantly handle loss of Bluetooth connect, Bluetooth connection from the PS Move controllers. I would assume that it does for other things. So let me tell the listeners what I'm talking about. So Johann Sebastian Joust is an awesome game, and I've talked about it several times, but maybe you don't know. It's awesome. It's basically like kick someone in the face while playing tag and holding PlayStation Move controllers. So you have to connect PlayStation Move controllers to your Mac, preferably a MacBook, so it can be portable um, through Bluetooth. And if you walk away, like in my case, let's say you go all the way to the kitchen when the game is far away in the living room and maybe there's a wall in the way or something and the Bluetooth connection is dropped, you come back closer. It doesn't matter if you're running Joust or not. Um, Well, what I haven't tested is connecting it, not running Joust, and then walking far enough away that the, the device disconnects. But while playing Joust, if you disconnect it, even if you close Joust, uh, the machine does not know what to do with your disconnected Bluetooth device. You try to open up the Bluetooth preferences, it's nothing but the pinwheel. It's It won't do anything. Well, the so, problem is you've got these walls in your way. You're meant to play it like the promo video where there's... you know Just in a big area. Yeah. Or in a, a park or something. A, a bunch of really... Um, cool-looking people with a bunch of their cool-looking friends all around them in a circle cheering them on. Sure. I didn't know there was a promo video, so I don't know what you're talking about. But um, we were in a pretty open area, but then someone went, two different people actually at different points, went to the kitchen, disconnected it, and OSX does not elegantly handle it. I have to do a full reboot of it. So I just got an SSD in there today, though, so once I get that up and running, it'll hopefully be faster to reboot. But still... Pain in the butt to do that. It's really but annoying. Regardless, you recommend the game to everybody with seven PlayStation Move controllers and a MacBook. Well, we only had six because of another issue where Mountain Lion doesn't function. You can't play Joust with Mountain Lion if you haven't already connected the controllers prior to getting Mountain Lion on the computer. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. it uh, The app that they have to get the controller synced with the computer like you have to do a one-time thing where you basically inject the address of the mac oh, into the controller and that only works on the older os yeah so the app that pairs the two doesn't run on anything past 10.7.4 which was lion it was the the newest version of lion prior to mountain lion so i upgraded to mountain lion and one of them was connected to my ps3 or paired with my ps3 and so I have seven controllers. One of them paired to the PS3. I upgrade to Mountain Lion, and I can no longer get it running on the Mac. It's just not possible. So part of this installation of the SSD, I'm going to have one. I'm going to have my hard drive in the disk drive bay, running 10.7.3 Lion, so I can connect it and make it work. And then one running Mountain Lion. The SSD will run Mountain Lion. Well, it's a good thing it it just works. Do they still use that? There have been enough Apple it issues just works. where you wouldn't think they would use that slogan anymore. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But um, the fact that I have to run a second hard drive <laughs> or, you know, um, uh, just a second, you know, a boot camp, whatever, install of the second OS just to run this game is is interesting. Actually, the developer's like, so there's a bunch of ways to get it working in Lion, but the best one is just don't run it. <laughs> run the older versions. Because Lion also has a giant headache involved. Anyway, um, our listeners most likely can't get their hands on this game, so it's irrelevant. Um, the game is very hard to come by. Basically, you have to be a friend of the guy or know someone who has it who will give it to you. So I just I pray that one day it's really available. <clears throat> so what were we talking about? Uh, I think we were talking about video games. I played Civ Five. Yeah. yeah. And then I played Joust. So I've been playing a little bit um, in between game development. Uh, I picked up this new Wii game called The Last Story. Which I have not heard of. It's the story of a legendary game designer who finally found a thesaurus. Uh, It's made by the the father of Final Fantasy. Okay. (laughs) The Final Fantasy becomes the last story. I hadn't even connected that those are really the same title. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so I guess he got fed up with uh, Squeenix or whatever it's called. Uh, left, started Mistwalker, right? And made made a bunch of games like Blue Dragon, and none of them really gained any traction. Are we specifically talking about Sakaguchi? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, it just surprises me that... Blue Dragon was really popular in Japan, though. Oh, that's true, actually. that's uh, I, I remember looking at a sales chart on uh, Xboxes Sold, and it, it showed a chart in Japan, and it, you know, it was just deadline, and then it showed the day that Blue Dragon came out, and it just had this crazy spike. Yeah, people were excited about that game. I don't know why. It didn't look good to me, although I might be thinking of a different game. I don't know. Anyway, the last story from what little I've played it, uh, seems like a pretty good uh, evolution of JRPGs, which I understand you hate. Yeah, I mean, I say hate. I just mean I'm completely disinterested. The reason this game is interesting is because it actually ha- requires some strategy, and it actually has an interesting fighting system that they they put so much attention to detail on that you can actually play online into like one-off battles. Or Actually, I'm not even sure how it works. It's either battles against other people, or it's like a co-op thing. Yeah, online versus First you have to find someone who still uses their Wii <laughs> and someone who bothers to connect their Wii to the internet. Well, that's that's the problem. This game came out in, you know, in Japan first, and it sold pretty bad. Uh, the, number, the figure I read is that it moved 30,000 copies in the first week, which isn't good. That's not what you would expect from the guy that made Final Fantasy. Well, that's really surprising. If it was on the Xbox, sure, right? Because nobody cares about Xbox in Japan. Right. But on the Wii? Right. I mean, any just, game will sell thirty thousand copies. I don't know. It Japan. seems to only be first-party titles and shovelware. This is really sadly the only two types of games that sell. That's interesting. I wonder what would have happened if he made it a value title. If he made it thirty bucks. Yeah, I mean, the game definitely has a lot of quality. Just looking at it, it's a little hard to tell that it's on the Wii. That's absolutely true. I was surprised when I saw it said Wii because it's got funky package. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right, we got cut short there a little bit. You were talking about the last story. Right, so... It's so I'm holding the U.S. release of the last story here. It's a little, little interesting how much of a fight it was to get it over here because it came out a year ago in Japan. Usually, it doesn't take that long for big name games to get localized, but because it was such a financial disaster in Japan, uh, Nintendo was hesitant to localize it anywhere. What does Nintendo have to do with it? Oh, it was actually it's actually published by Nintendo and developed by Mistwalker. In Japan. Right. But it's not published by Nintendo here. Um, Nintendo still had something to do with it. Like, I guess they paid XSeed to localize it. I think that's how it works. But I thought it said that XSeed is, is the publisher. I'm looking at it now. See, I see just XSeed. XSeed is a very, Nintendo. very small company. With, and they don't really have a lot of money to their name. From what I understand, it's only a dozen or so people. It's very... <sighs> So here, you look at the back, and it's like, XSeed, JKS, Inc., and then it says, copyright 2011-2012, Nintendo slash Mistwalker. Published, yeah, published by XSeed Games. It says right there. So yeah, published by them. Yeah, it's strange, because from what I understand, like, all they really did is localize it. They did all the translation, and um, I don't know, like, I guess they do the box art and whatnot. But anyway... Uh, what I think is really interesting to look at this is right on the front of the box here, it says, The Last Story, uh, and I won't pronounce this right, but a Hironobu Sakaguchi game, 
music by Nobuo Uematsu. A lot of people know who Uematsu is, the music guy from Final Fantasy games. Um, the Sakaguchi name isn't as familiar, so it's 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 a little surprising to see that right on the front cover for the U.S. I, release. Maybe because I'm a game nerd, but I've heard Sakaguchi's name plenty of times in relation to Final Fantasy. Okay, well, I'm I'm I for one, I'm happy to see it there, and it would would be nice if games were, um, you know, if, if interest of games was more based off of who made it instead of what IP it is. You mean so the fact that this is a new IP and by someone that you hopefully would recognize? Yeah, I mean, it, I guess... It didn't do as well as Final I guess Fantasy? the idea behind this game... I don't know if you know the story behind Final Fantasy, but Squaresoft made a lot of weird experimental games before Final Fantasy. Uh, they made, like, 3D World Runner and, like, King's Knight for the Famicom. Nope, didn't know that, but that's okay. So this Sakaguchi guy... Uh, named the game Final Fantasy because they were on the verge of going bankrupt, and he set out and he said, "If this game, I'm going to put all my effort forth into making an epic Nintendo game, and if this doesn't sell well, I'm just going to close down and not work on games anymore." It's kind of like the nail in the coffin. So it's kind of funny that you know, proof to him that nobody actually likes games, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, well, I guess, or just I don't know. Uh, I, I can see somebody getting beat down like that when you release a lot of games and don't make any money. So, you know, it, it is kind of funny, of course, to think that there are, what, like 14 Final Fantasies now? I think there's even more than that. Oh, well, yeah, like 100 spinoffs. Yeah. So this this game was... Do you remember a time when there were there was no such thing as a Final Fantasy spinoff? And then uh-uh. suddenly they did like three of them for Final Fantasy Seven um, out of the blue? The fir- well, the first Final Fantasy spinoff... Uh, were localization things where the first Saiken Densetsu was brought over here as Final Fantasy Adventure for the Game Boy, but that was Saiken Densetsu was actually the first Secret of Mana. Our Secret of Mana here was the sequel to that. Okay. So there's there's some random trivia. Okay, so last story. Uh, the idea behind this game was similar to Final Fantasy where Sakaguchi hasn't been having a lot of luck lately, so he's like, all right, I'm just going to put all of my best effort forward and just make something epic and just fix everything that I see that has become wrong with RPGs. By the way, all I know about epicness in this game is the size of the cans on the chick on the cover. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay. Although, I don't know, that's that's a guy, isn't it? No. (laughs) No. And I I think she's wearing something, but it's clear that uh, they have endowed her. So that's epic. Well, so anyway, what's sad to me is he released this game. It got reviewed very, very positively. Um, and it just didn't sell well for whatever reason. Then now he's... Like, before this even came out in the U.S., he just kind of gave up, and now he's making really simple games for iPhone. He released a game called Party Wave, which is just a... It, it basically looks like a Flash game. And it's a game where you flick... Or, flick these surfers around so they avoid jellyfish all right if that's what he's into um it makes more sense to make a bunch of different small games so you don't spend a lifetime working on a giant game that then gets received poorly yeah i mean that that used to uh i I don't know if this is like a sign of the times where you can't spend you know whatever 50 million dollars making a game and expect that kind of return anymore or you you know because what, what does a game like this have that the big uh, U.S. AAA titles, uh, you know, that, that those do? How are those successes when this one's not? And I guess I guess it's been a little while since we've seen a brand new one. Or no, Sleeping Dogs just came out, right? Did it come out yet? Yeah, and I heard it was a huge success. In fact, in Europe... Well, it's gotten a lot of press. It came out the same week as New Super Mario Bros. 2... And Sleeping Dogs actually outsold New Super Mario Brothers 2. Are you kidding me? I think it's like the first time that a... And New Super Mario Brothers 2 came out with hard new hardware supporting it. Right. Well, I mean, it worked on the old hardware, but yeah. yeah. No, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, new hardware yeah, yeah. comes out, people are going to want, well, what's the new game I should get with it? Right, right, right. Wow. All right. I mean, as much as I love Nintendo and Mario games and everything, and I mean, as a side note... I didn't buy the new Mario games. It's the first one I'm not really that excited about. But I am a little bit happy to see that a new 
a property like that can sell that well. You know, sometimes you just become cynical that, oh, well, yeah, it's, of course Ubisoft is making another Assassin's Creed, but I guess it wasn't that long ago when the first Assassin's Creed really took off. Yeah, well, I'm awfully cynical about pretty much everything Ubisoft is doing these days, but whatever. Um, they just, I don't I've talked to a few people about this since E3, starting at E3, um, when we went to Ubisoft's press conference, and I must have talked about this on the radio already. Um, we went to their press conference, and with the exception of Rayman Origins, uh, the the sequel coming out for Wii U, and um, I guess they have that dance game, Just Dance. And then, okay, so there's a lot of exceptions. So Just Dance, and then what else did they do? Zombie U. All right, but... The, the games that they spent most of the time promoting there, and this is just one press conference, but, like, they're talking about Assassin's Creed. They're talking about um, Splinter Cell. They're talking about uh, this Sleeping Dogs game, and I'm pretty sure there was something else in there. They were, visually, they were all the same game. Like, it was a dude walking around, trying to be stealthy. It was all human characters in human-like environments doing stealthy things using some sort of gadgetry or tool to be successful at sneaking around somewhere. Yeah, I, I see what they you're were, saying. They were all the same game. And I just thought, like, I can't, I can't handle this. Like, the pictures in my head that, you know, are stored to represent each one of these games are just all the same. And it, it doesn't suit me. I don't... I'm sure ind- independently... Each one of the games has its its strengths. Yeah, and Ubisoft has amazing polish, but you you haven't been around long enough to hear me talk about how much I hate Ubisoft because every game they make is so chock full of bugs that I can't play it. Huh. Um, and I suspect they have fixed that, and and maybe it doesn't happen as much these days. Well, I as mean, it used to for me, their games aren't nearly as buggy as say Skyrim, which is game of the year 2011. Yeah, well, guess who didn't play Skyrim? <laughs> so so. I don't know. You you might have shared this on the air before, but I'm curious. What's a good Ubisoft polished game, but horrible bug anecdote? Oh, I've talked about this several times, but um, it may also be due to the way I was playing it. But um, Splinter Cell 2, I had uh, connected two Xboxes in my house um, so that I could play full screen with a friend and playing the cooperative mission. So it was the first time I played a Splinter Cell game cooperative, really the first time I played a cooperative game in a very long time at that point. And each mission, you know, we were being really careful. We were trying to do it right and like try to really feel like we were in the game. And uh, we probably spent like half an hour on just this one mission. And it wasn't late in the game. It was like the first mission or maybe the second one, right? Um, and inevitably we would try over and over and over because oh it was just a one-time thing whatever it would always lose synchronization synchronization with the other machine oh yeah and it would sucks. it would drop it and you can't start over it i mean you can't start where well, you left clearly off that just means you had a over. bad internet connection and it wasn't yeah. <laughs> exactly in my own house so it would just drop every time we could never finish that mission and we must have tried three or four times and i was just like you know what screw this screw ubisoft and that's that's just one example well, of you, many. You just described my whole experience with Saints Row 2. Uh, it's one of the main reasons I'm really not for online gaming. I've just had that experience way too many times. It takes too long to get set up. You get halfway through, you get booted out. Yeah, I, w- I was not happy with it at all. And that was one example of many that I've come across with Ubisoft games. Unfortunately, the other ones haven't stuck in my head. Yeah, for me, it's a little sillier. I remember when playing the first Assassin's Creed, I figured out this way that I could shimmy my legs by moving the analog stick in such a way, and it would cause this collision glitch so that uh, Enzio or whatever would get jammed in the floor at like a 45-degree angle, but he would still be standing upright. So I like I like doing that during cutscenes and stuff. So he would just be like standing at this really awkward angle during a really you know emotional scene or whatever. Okay. I uh, I would like to see that actually, but um, okay. Back to the point. Ubisoft, not a fan of them in general. Although Rayman Origins was pretty awesome, um, and yeah, Sleeping Dogs. Part of me wants to play it. I'll admit it. Part of me does, 
I but heard the story's really well done. I actually am planning on playing it. The other big part of me just wants to say, screw them. I hate Ubisoft and will always hate them. We'll be right back. talk a bit about the commercials we play on this show. One of them is for UAT, and their website is uat.edu. That's the University of Advancing Technology. We both attended. That's true. And uh, apparently UAT does not necessarily churn out people who are talkative and expressive, (laughs) because when I arrived here earlier, another UAT alum was here, and he decided that he didn't want to be on the show. Shame shame for him. I don't know how anybody could ever... You know, not take that offer. Yeah, it's weird, too, because he listens to it. Yeah. So he says. Well, he'll hear this, and then he'll feel guilty. Yeah, he should feel guilty and come next week, since you won't be here next week. You're going to J-Pan, right? Well, he, he's like half a year behind on the podcast, so he won't hear it by then. Oh, maybe he'll catch it, catch it next year. All right, that's fine. Um, so anyway, you should go to UAT.edu if you have any interest in, uh, in schooling for the gaming arts. Uh, do that. So I have kind of a funny story that I don't think I shared about how I ended up going to UAT. Uh, I would like to hear that. So, I mean, this was like... Was it, was it because you heard about it on this show? Uh, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I... At the time, 10 years ago, it's a little little hard to imagine that there weren't a lot of colleges in the country that had any kind of game programming or game design uh, degree. I remember looking for that when I was in, in high school or junior high or something. So what I ended up doing is I brought up a list of a few of the notable ones. I think the the top three that came up my list that I couldn't decide on was Full Sail, which at the time I don't think even offered full degree. It was just certificate. And DigiPen and UAT. Yep. And uh, a, friend of mine, ones. a friend of mine had this great idea, and she actually went ahead and did this. She emailed, because um, it's not hard to get through to students. I think she went through the web club of each site, and just ask students, hey, so straight up, what's your least favorite things about the school that you're attending? I mean, it's a great question because people love to criticize. Yeah. And everybody was very, very honest and criticized. And um, I, I don't know if this is still true. Like, I, I recommend doing this today. But 10 years ago, UAT was the school that sucked the least. <laughs> okay. That's that's cool. So, you know, um, I, I mostly enjoyed my time at UAT. I didn't quite get everything out of it that I hoped to. But while going, I was confident that it was the college that sucked the least. Yeah, that is that is a stellar review, sir, on a show sponsored by UAT. Um, you know, in a, in a world of pessimists <laughs> like like us gamers, um, to say it sucked the least, I guess, is, is a good value. Um, and, you know... I think just we've talked many times. We won't get into it now because R and I have had this conversation on the air several times before. Just the value of school versus self-learning, and really, school is self-learning anyway. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm happy to see people go forward and and actually go to school if they want to do it, but they really need to take advantage of it and not just hope that other people are going to pull them along. They have to push through, not get pulled. And uh, I let myself just get pulled because. I don't know, like I, I intentionally went there for a short period of time so I wouldn't have to spend a lot of money. And then after a while, I just got focused on finishing. And there was that whole segue thing in the middle that kind of made it weird for me, the trip. But anyway, I want to talk about something else. Okay. I also, another commercial we air on this, on this show is uh, the Help Chatterbox thing. And I'm not going to waste a lot of time on it, but people have totally been doing it, totally been buying weird crap. Um, you get to see everything they buy. Yeah, I can't. Oh, tell that makes who, it so much better. I can't tell who bought what. Um, 
or where it's going or anything like that. I can just see what items were sold, right? Cause so there's your new pitch. Mess with the lawn. Go to helpchatterbox.com today. I guess I guess it's a new pitch because um, I see weird stuff. Some of it gaming related, some of it not. Like a lot of women's underwear is being purchased. And that's great, right? I, I'm glad that the men or women listening to the show are buying women's underwear. Uh, but I just want to thank everybody for listening to that and like going through with it. It uh, it is awesome to to see the tiniest little stream of revenue coming into this show that has been on on the air and available to people for free um, from the very beginning for like eight years. So a heartfelt thank you to all of you for putting up with my really lame commercial and actually following through with it. And uh, you know, tell your friends, helpchatterbox.com. It uh, it really does help. That's awesome. So thanks for that. I've I don't think I've ever actually done that. So thank you guys. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so we have a bunch of other things to talk about. Not a whole lot of the show left. We managed to eat up a lot of it so far. Um, I had mentioned to you several things before we started. I'm not sure exactly where to start. Um, one of them is this article I read last week, which fit in with things that you and I have talked about in some recent episodes, where uh, <clears throat> I guess the headline is, Industry vet Don, I can't figure out how to pronounce this last name. It looks like Dayglow or Daglaw or Deglow. I'll say Deglow. Industry vet Don Deglow on how failure is a tough sell for American gamers. And I'm going to read some of this article from Joystick. So uh, always thanks to Joystick for not not totally sucking. <laughs> Being the least sucky blog out there. <clears throat> says... While traditional education systems teach students to try to succeed and learn from their failures, uh, this guy said, the American education system has evolved to the point that failure has largely been removed from the equation entirely. The idea of failure has been dramatically reduced, he said, noting that American students don't fail. Rather, they're challenged, a concept that DeGlo believes European developers should keep in mind when trying to design games that will succeed in the American market. The concept of failure as an inducement to try again and succeed is difficult for many americans to accept many will blame their failure on the game itself instead of recognizing their mistake and trying again the key to breaking through to an american audience he said is encouragement individuality and grabbing the player's interest as quickly as possible so in the past we've talked about how there's been this this evolution of games where Difficulty yeah. is dropping by the wayside. And the fail state is almost removed completely. Yeah. I mean, I would, in some cases, totally is. Um, like flow. I mean, I would almost... You know, you know, thinking about it now, um, I, I can see the way that a lot of modern games are evolving exactly the way that this guy describes, especially in American companies, where you'll, you'll have a game and you'll play through the uh, campaign or whatever... And I guess the best structure is a, a game where there's there's see, and, and I'm not saying that this is um, like my preference for what good game design is, but what's what's good game design in, in the context of this article is you'll play through the campaign. Uh, if you die, you maybe go back a few steps, and mostly the whole game is like one big safety net almost like a tutorial, but then the game has some kind of post-game thing or some kind of online multiplayer, and that's where you can really test your skills. But even even there, you're seeing a lot less of, oh, yeah, you're, you know, you lose, uh, and it's we're, we're transitioning into the system where you get experience points or whatever for no matter how good or bad you did, and you're just encouraged to keep playing, whether or not you're even getting better, with with the assumption that you will eventually get better, I think. Yeah, I, I think what was surprising to me reading reading this, and perhaps it shouldn't be, is that he's separating specifically Americans out as the people who are like this. Now, that is really interesting. We, we've always talked about how Japanese gamers are different than Americans. Japanese like difficulty. Right, because this uh, is a European guy saying this, right? I believe so, but I actually don't remember. I should check. Hang on a second. Since he's talking to Europeans, I would think so. Oh, okay. Um, do, 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 well, we'll talk in Europeans. That answers do, 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 the question do. enough. That's let's pretend. Let's pretend he's European. I don't really care what he is, yeah. to be honest. Doesn't matter. But um, <clears throat> I, I kind of, 
instead of making it Americans versus the world, I thought it of it more like Japanese versus the world. Right. The Japanese were the well, uh, right because prior to this, I had only read articles with more of that stance. Yeah, and I mean we. As Americans think what we do is normal and, you know, if we hear something about someone else, they must be the odd man out. <laughs> That's a good right? point. Um, but in reality, it's probably us. You know, we're the odd men out who, you know, what are we at? Generation Y or Generation Next or whatever they want to call it now? Yeah, Americans um, aren't normal. Burger King is now selling bacon sundaes. Oh, my God. I did see that. I'm not going to eat one. Anyway. We're the odd men out because we're the ones who have been basically pussy whipped and not willing to deal with any difficulty. And, and he goes on to say, I don't, I don't think I read this part um, yet. Like, it seems like a little bit of a problem to me that everything is responding to this by kind of make. If you see that as a problem, you could see that as everybody catering to that to make the problem even worse rather than putting steps in place to rectify it. Yeah, well, I mean, how do you make steps on a large scale to, to rectify something like that? Like, right. how, how do you put in a step to change the general psyche of a yeah. demographic? No, that's, that's true, because when it comes down to it, all these people are making games to make money. Yeah, and it's not the evolution of games that caused this. Right. Um, what, I, what I was about to say, the thing I didn't think I'd read, which I had, was about how Americans will blame the game rather than themselves yeah. for failing. And R has touched on this several times. Like, we, he and I don't have this mentality, or maybe we do, uh, or maybe I do, and he doesn't. Um, but, like, he talked about Demon Souls and how, like, it just, it's difficult and it's grueling, but it's training you to get better, and there's a, a real quality to trying and failing and trying and failing until you succeed. And, um, <clears throat> you know, Americans specifically you know, the, again, generation next, which I feel cheesy saying, um, they have this, this sense of entitlement. I mean, this is recognized, right? Psychologists and whatever will tell you, will describe for you what generation next is the, the up and comers. Now the high school kids now, like they're entitled and they always need positive reinforcement. Like when they go into the workforce, you're supposed to be like very gentle with them and kind and constantly tell them how good they're doing and stuff like that. Like, they're not adults basically like the the whole everybody's a winner because everybody gets a trophy thing right it's a weird side effect of um really pushing the whole positive self-esteem constantly through school yeah exactly and it it's not, not that the developers went this way it's the entire psyche of the american right of the young american i should say and the games are simply simply reflecting that it's not the other way around um and it seems that i'm realizing that more and more especially from this article that it's not it's not uh, the whole world. It's it's just us. We're the losers, right? Who can't handle something that's a little tough. And that's what I liked about that article because I like realizing that I'm a loser. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. All right, welcome back. After the break, I'm going to remind everyone again, by the way, go to UAT.edu, website for the University of Advancing Technology. Go to helpchatterbox.com when you want to buy stuff. 
Are there new games coming out? If you want to buy new Super Mario Brothers 2, go to helpchatterbox.com to do it. Right? Now, Tim here chose not to buy that game. You know, right during the break, um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but uh, you know those Nintendo commercials? You've seen them, right? Where they're uh, celebrities just playing Nintendo games. It's just video of like Beyonce playing Rhythm Fever or and whatever. You're just supposed to say, "Oh, they're having so much fun. I want to have that much fun." And that's the whole point of the commercial. Exactly. Yeah. Or that anybody can do this. Or it's cool to be playing these games. It's not uncool to play the 3DS. Or something. Right. Um, anyway, so Penelope Cruz did one, and it's this really long, I'm sure internet only version. I'm sure the one on TV would be shorter, but it's really long where she's just playing new super Mario brothers two with, I guess her sister, some other crews. Um, and then because she loses, she, you know, lost this bet that they apparently had made where she has to dress up like Mario. And then like, she goes and I don't know, ask some grocery boy or something for a mushroom in it in an Italian accent. Um, yeah, the mustache looked good on her. Yeah. Point is, Penelope Cruz dresses up as Mario in this commercial. And I think that's funny. I haven't, I didn't see Beyonce do that. So that's cool. You can watch it somewhere on the internet, I'm sure. Like for Penelope Cruz Nintendo commercial. I'm sure it'll come up on the YouTubes. But uh, <clears throat> I showed that to Tim. And he points out, like he did earlier in the show, that he opted not to buy New Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah, just reading about the game makes me sad. Um, And when I watch trailers, I don't really see anything that I haven't played before in a Mario game. Did Uh, you like the first New Super Mario Brothers? I did. I'm not sure I really played New Super Mario Brothers. I definitely played New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Yeah, and I enjoyed that. I played it through multiplayer. Okay. I felt like both those games had a different flavor mario we had kind of weaker level design because they they had to support four people moving around on the screen at once but just having that feature in and of itself was was novel enough to make the game super fun but um you know what i think i did play the one the, the first one was just on ds right yeah the big the big gimmick was the mega mushroom that let you break through everything yeah i think i did play that but i mean just thinking about this new one i think back to you know, when Nintendo was making Super Mario Bros. 3 and Super Mario World and how they mixed up the formula in so many different ways, even though they were, you know, just making another 2D Mario game. Um, the you diff- say they mixed up the for- formula as they were making those games. You mean, like, compared to each other? Um, yeah. I mean, each each time they worked on that, they had the mentality back then that it was the last Mario game they'd ever be making. So they really just crammed in as many ideas and as much cool stuff as they could. And now what, it's... What it's, makes you say that? Oh, because I've read about it in interviews. I mean, Miyamoto openly says that. Says that when we were making the third one, we thought it would be the last one? Yep. And when we were making World, we thought it would be the last one? Yeah, we're like, okay, this time, really, this is going to be the last one that we make. Does it ever strike you as strange that most people don't even know that there was a Super Mario World 2? Do most people not know? I mean, I guess when I was a kid... Uh, it didn't, like, I thought it looked kind of silly, which is funny since I, I generally like silly games, but, um, I, I guess just the, the idea of carting Mario around as a baby was off-putting to me when I was a kid. Yeah, and well, also because the title, like, the fact that it was Super Mario World 2 was kind of like the subtitle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than the other way around. Right. Um. And like, ooh, it looks like it's drawn with crayons, but I mean, today it's, uh... It's it's a really fun game. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite Mario games, but it's really well designed. It's just weird. Like, that game came out, like, completely was released. I knew nothing about it. Mm. It did release, and I still didn't know. I think it had a Super really Mario World, bad World commercial, 2. if I remember correctly. I'll have to look it up. I, I just remember it getting released, me not knowing beforehand that it was going to be released, and then once it came out, not knowing that it was an official Mario game. And to that end, like, I never... I never played it. Yeah, you think it would have been a really big deal. I think I went back and played it on an emulator or something just to see what it was about, but I never really tried it. Um, and that, like, I love, I think you and me are the same. Like, Mario is my favorite game, specifically Mario 64, 
and they're always my favorite games. Right. Well, so okay, you look at Mario Three, and it's like, oh yeah, he's got all these crazy suits, and these, there's like these super rare ones, and like this is the first one with a really extensive world map. I mean, that was, if not the most polished Nintendo game, it was definitely the first Nintendo game of that level of polish. Yeah, I think most people agree that Super Mario Brothers Three was probably the the biggest baddest Nintendo game. Like I I, I have game. no idea how they fit all that all the content of that game into one NES cartridge because I know they struggled to fit everything on the cartridge for the original Super Mario Brothers. Um it's ridiculous when when you look at the bite size for this these uh these games, I mean based on their their emulated ROMs like the original Super Mario Brothers was something on the order of of 10k. <laughs> you know, I think it was like 40 something K or something like that, right? It wasn't hundreds, it wasn't megabytes. It was tiny, 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 tiny. And then Super Mario Brothers 3 was not much more, like it was maybe a couple megabytes or something. Yeah. Which was huge for a Nintendo well, game. Right, and for them, I'm, I'm sure there had to be some huge overhaul in technology that allowed them to put that extra memory on a cartridge. Yeah, but then, I mean, can you imagine, let's say you set out to remake Super Mario Brothers 3 to the pixel, right? You try to make that today, it would be way bigger. Right. Just because of the way that games are made and the way they store the graphics and the way, yeah, the the tools are developed to make the game, it wouldn't be two and a half megs. It would probably be, you know, 50 megs. Yeah, we're pretty sloppy these days. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, you'd have to make a game that, like, was built from the ground up in a low resolution. You're making a game in 320 by 240, which probably helps save memory. (laughs) But, um,. But okay, so going back to why Mario 3 and Mario World are awesome. Yeah, so, I, I got us pulled up. So, so just, just little things. Like Mario 3, you get to the end of the level, and it's got that weird card system. And then it's like the other player passes over, and you can like mash the button and like get into that little Mario Brothers tournament with them and like beat the cards out of them. And like if you beat them, then you can steal their turn. Just little things like that. Then in like Mario World, they, they introduced all the levels with multiple um, paths you know, different exits. You could find secret... I mean, I mean that was that's the only game I know of that had a secret world within its secret world. You know, the one with all the levels like Groovy and Bogus. And I'm not sure I remember it. So you go to the Star World, and that gives you all the warp stars to all the different worlds. And then you find the super secret exit and the very last Star World exit, and that brings you to the secret area that's inside of Star World. And that's like the really high challenge, really difficult levels. Wow. Anyway, I'm sure that I did that because and, and, I did everything. And again, like l- the little things, like not not just talking about all the features. Now that was the first game with Yoshi and everything. Where now, you know, it's supposed to be a big deal if it's like a throwback. Like, oh yeah, Yoshi's in it again for a level. But it's it's like everything they do now is for the sake of nostalgia and not for the sake of innovation. When it comes to 2D Mario games, I, I actually really like Mario Galaxy. Um. So like in. New Super Mario Brothers 2, you've got Raccoon Mario again. And, you know, that's cool. You know, I've got a Raccoon Luigi costume in my closet. Um, you know, everybody does. But then they've got the flagpole at the end of the level. And it's like, yeah, you can just, like, fly to the top of the screen and drop and catch the top of the flagpole. Like, in in Mario 3, they saw that as a problem. They're like, we'll put the card system in. In Mario World, they're like, oh, yeah, you can fly. We see that as a problem. We'll put in the little... A moving bar up and down over the goal so you have to kind of pay attention to what you're doing to get the maximum points and in this game they're just like oh whatever it's nostalgia people will love it yeah i mean i i absolutely see what you're saying that they're not really generating new content at this point so that's just a small example but i see it bleeds over to the entire design of the game and like m- maybe you know I'm, I'm sure the game's a blast to play i'm sure it's got good level design and everything but those are the little things that add up and just make me not nearly as excited about it as I should be. Playing New Super Mario Brothers Wii, it it obviously seemed a lot like old stuff, right? That it, that's what it was designed to do. But they did add new things as well. Um, I was very happy with it. And, uh, you know, at no point did I get really bored of the game. But, uh, y- you know, I see what you're saying, how they're not really building something new. And they're they're just going after the nostalgia rather than spending time developing something. That might yeah, I mean, today I feel like I could go back and play New Mario Wii and have a blast. I feel like I could play New Super Mario Brothers for DS, and it's been so long that I wouldn't even remember the levels or the the gimmicks in that game. And like, I, f- I feel like I would get as much out of those games as picking up the newest Mario game, which is just weird. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So, New Super Mario Brothers 2, not really a win for you? Well, I'll probably buy it if... Uh, <laughs> I'll, if pr- I'll probably get it anyway. Well, yeah. When, when, a, when a second player wants to uh, play through the whole game, because that one does have two-player co-op. How How is connecting on the 3DS? Has it gotten... Has it gotten better playing games with friends? Um, what you just mean, like the local connection? Have you experienced not even problems? local? No, just I mean I'm talking about not local. Oh, because it used to be. I mean the Wii is a pain in the butt. Oh yeah, and I yeah. know the DS was a pain. Well, Mario in the butt. Kart Seven is really good online. Um, I mean it takes way too long to set up the next track. I wish it could just go when you finish a race to the next track, but um, it's it's solid. I've only lost connection a couple times. Out of lots of games. They're, they're making improvements. I guess it's, they... It's more the idea of finding a friend to actually play with. Right. Oh, well, yeah. So now it'll auto-connect you with other people playing the game, and you can play with friends if you want, and there's the whole friend code nonsense. Good. Well, not good with the friend codes, <laughs> but the idea that you can connect to somebody automatically is nice. All right, so I want to say we have a minute left, but really the music's going to kick in any second now. Um, so it's pretty much done. Um, I want to remind everyone how happy I am with their their performance with Help Chatterbox. That's awesome. Uh, Tim, not going to be here next week. I'm not sure how we're going to do next week. Ara we're going might, to Japan. Yeah, Ara might not be here yet. What are you What are you going to do in Japan? What's the goal? Well, it's my friend's wedding. And a bunch of us who are friends with him always wanted an excuse to visit him. So we're all just visiting him the same time for his wedding. And he lives there. Yep. <clears throat> well, take pictures. You know. Will do. Go to Akihabara. Buy me stuff. Yeah, I won't get to go to Akihabara. But. Yeah. What? Seriously? Yeah, I won't get to go. Why bother going? Well, one of the problems is that the people I'm going with mostly aren't nerds. Oh, Jesus. But, uh, you know, Japanese culture stuff will be will be cool. It'll, it'll still be a good trip. All right, I'm sure you'll still come back with cool artifacts. I should show you what I got in Vancouver. Actually, no, I got it in Seattle. I brought back a bunch of Asian stuff from Seattle. Anyway. All right. I'm going. Thanks, everyone. Chatterboxgameshow.com is the website. Email us. All right, bye. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.